the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right with John and Charles. What's up? We are back. It's been, if you, uh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. It seems like, uh, well, just yesterday we were in here talking about America and it's been a month since we've been here together. When you told me that yesterday, you said, uh, we've been away to, uh, as a couple for one whole month. A couple, yeah. A couple. Uh, hey, come on, Mia, okay. Mia Williams, yeah. it doesn't matter. Come on. <laughs> right. So, you know, what's been going on with you? As you, I don't know if you heard, but I, uh, took a little trip while I was gone. Yeah, well, you know, I, I listened to in on the show. And I saw that. And that you were the one listening. The one. <laughs> I was wondering who that was. Um, you know, as you know, I told you my wife was in Italy mm-hmm. uh, a week prior to that, I mm-hmm. believe, mm-hmm. when you went. Uh, she had a great time. Um, I was home with all six kids, and I feel like uh, I need a vacation now. <laughs> so I think I'm going on a <laughs> European plan. Trip. One. Well, um, while we were out, we had some wonderful guests. I want to thank Aaron and George. Oh my God, and, we're uh, Admiral, right? And and Ken and Verlon, you know, for. Uh, Helping me out and taking the reins while I was gone. But, you, but Charles, you know, Ver, Verlon, right? Let's uh, talk about Verlon. Uh-huh. He, there were certain subjects he didn't want to touch. He was like, ah, man, I'm not touching that. Look, and Verlon, if you're listening, you got to know, we're, not, we're streaming now so we can see you. So when John talks to you, you go do like this, we can see you. That was funny. But it made for good radio, right? It's interesting now that everybody's looking at radio. Oh, my but, God. But um, there's been some things going on while we were while we were gone and while you were out last week. And... You know, you talk about some impeachment things, and obviously there's been some changes that we're going to talk up later. Yeah. But here locally, the big news is oh the teachers are on strike. And uh, a lot of people are taking sides, right? And it's an all-full-out war that's it, it going is. on right now. It's like, why, what do you got against teachers? Teachers need to have a livable wage, and, you know, because they've been borrowing from Bernie. We got presidential candidates coming out here saying, you know, I stand with you. And, you know, get whatever you can get. What's her name? Liz, Liz something? Liz. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, there's been a couple of Biden called. Uh, Bernie was here at the front end. Elizabeth on the back end. Oh, they were here together. They're all going to attack Trump on Monday. We'll get to that. But uh, you know, I'm a a numbers guy, and I like to uh, get into actual stuff and get away from. Because you know, as a conservative, you can say some things, and you can be against the strike and and say that's not true. They do have a livable wage, and people will say, "Well, that's not true. This is all rhetoric." The funny thing is, what John is pointing at is this stuff is all public. So I took the liberty to take the hours-long horse and buggy ride. Well, actually, I just took a 30-second click, went to the CPS site, downloaded the Excel file. And this file has every salary for the CPS department, administrative, principals, CEO, all the way down to the cooks. I wish I was getting some of this this paycheck. Yeah, I mean, this, so this budget is, is over $2 million. Figures. Right. But what I found is interesting, these teachers. Now, granted, part-time teachers, 
you know, play a part. Entry-level teachers right out the college probably need to make more money. I don't have a problem with that. But they're, they're painting this picture that, that, you know, these teachers are all broke and they need more money. But what I found here, just looking at their spreadsheet, that's public information, go find it if you don't believe me, is that of the 19,770 full-time teachers, 16,800 of them make more than $60,000. What, what, what was the, I mean, how, what's the longevity? How long have these, these teachers been Well, that, it and, doesn't tell, you that, tell but, you that. But it's got names in schools, so you know these are real. But the thing about it is the majority of them make more than the average household income in the state, and we're pretending that they're all broke. Over 1,800 of them make over $100,000 a year, things of that Sheesh. nature. And I found a couple of other interesting things in there, too. Like, I did not know. So a lot of the argument is not money. It's because we need more research, more librarians, more nurses. Every school needs to have a nurse. And, and Lori's given them a lot of the things that they wanted, right? They just doesn't want it in the contract because she loses some power to move some things around as the administrator. But I did not know that there were school psychologists, right? I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Not necessarily a bad thing, right? People have struggles. You know, some kid in your class. Wait, is psychologists or social workers? No, it's that psychologists. Right. And so I'm like, okay, maybe it's for like a kid gets shot in your class and you want to, you know, let the kids go and talk to someone, which is fine. But I would think that the logical person would think there'd be like five or 10 of them and then they'd be on call, right? Like fire department. When you need them, they would move. The school department has 243 school psychologists. I'm looking through this list to try to, to find that name. If, if they call them psychologists or social workers, they I, say, I do know that I, I believe you can filter I, it. It's their school psychologists. When I, when I was at CVS, social I believe workers are different people. They're in right. there too, but these are different people. These wow. are school psychologists. Wow. Right. And then there's other things. Like I find that the school, I think that, that we have a dual problem, teacher salaries and too many administrators. I think there's a budget just for administrative salaries is $306 million. So, right? so what are you saying? So, so is, is the moral of this story that, <laughs> Uh, CPS is top heavy. And- I, the moral of the story is that CPS is top heavy. That if you really want to solve the problem, you have to look at these numbers and make sense. So you want to say, if you want to argue that the entry level teachers and, and, and one, two, three year teachers need to get paid more coming in, and we say, okay, let's do that. Let's bump them up. But I would say, and on the other end, most people who got into teaching, we all know, would say they did it kind of like social work because they wanted to give back and they cared about the kids, not to get rich. So I say, cap the, the teachers that. 90 grand, you want to go make more money, you go in the private sector. Cap teachers at 90 grand, cap principals at 110, 120, because some of them make 160. So, so what do you say, what do you say to, the, to the devil's advocate person who mm-hmm. says, well, when you look at what it costs to live in a city like Chicago, um, this, this salary is com- comparable to helping someone who's a teacher live in Chicago. It's 100% true. The argument, the, the problem with that argument is, Everyone has to pay the same cost of living to live in Chicago. So why should the teachers make more than average? I don't think any government employee, not just teachers, any government employee should be treated less than any other employee. You shouldn't be like, you work for the government, so go work for peanuts. That's not fair, but they shouldn't be treated better. So if the average household income, this is even if it's a two-parent household, average household income in the state is just under 60, why is 74% of the teachers making more than $60,000? So what's the solution? What do we do? What, what What's the, how, how do we figure out what's happening in Chicago? How do we end the strike? Well, we got to win the strike. Well, that's a different. Those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. Ending the strike. The strike is a farce because they're not. Do, they said they're not doing it for money, right? They say it's for the kids. It's for more nurses and more resources. They say, and then you have a lot of people saying the North Side schools get more money than these schools. Which there's a lot of nuances. That's why it's important, regardless of where you stand on this issue, to look at this information. Because here's another interesting thing I found. So the, to the argument that 
different schools get different resources. They do, but mostly it's because different schools have different needs, right? So let's say you argue, look at these numbers, you say, well, these 30 schools on the north side, they have full-time nurses, and we don't have them on the south side. See? Unfairness, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe the, the, the people who run their school, maybe it's an administrative or a principal thing, they get to decide how those dollars are spent. And maybe they're able to do that because they have more money because they don't deal with some of the things other people do. Because what I did find is that there are 78 youth intervention specialists, an average of $50,000 a year, and they're in the schools. And none of those 78 schools are on the north side are in, in those south. neighborhoods, Lincoln Park and all that. So what happened is the Lincoln Park school said, yeah, I can afford a nurse for $50,000 because I'm not spending $50,000 on a youth intervention specialist. So how do you parse that? If, if the school in Inglewood needs the youth intervention specialist, people are going to say, we need to give it to us. But if you say, give us that and the nurse, then the other schools are going to say it's unfair because they get two people and we get one. But do you see why people like Representative um, Halbrook from um, downstate wants to separate Chicago from the rest of the state? <laughs> I mean, because because I, I'm listening to all this and I'm saying to myself, well, I live out in Manuka. The, the, the biggest issue when it comes to teachers and other referendums that they put on the ballot to try mm -hmm. to raise up my property tax. I pay $7,400 in property tax right. out in the Joliet area in mm -hmm. Kendall County. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure that people who are, you know, outside of Chicago are looking like, huh? Right. 16%? What? I, I'm sure there's some teachers, especially out in my area, who would love to get 16%. But you, I think you said earlier that they wanted 3%. They wanted it in no, three, years. three years instead of five years. Oh really, God. they wanted it because they get it faster. And let's be real, whether you like Lori or not, it's unfair to her because they want it then because if you do a three-year contract, then we can strike before you run again and then hold you over the barrels and make you give us even more money then. See, I, I, I got a soft spot for, 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 for the unions, man. I'm a former union member. I, I get the aspect of, of wanting to, to – but as a police officer, we couldn't strike. Uh what about doing something like that, given that uh, as, far, as far as where Chicago teachers can't strike like police and fire can? What do you think about that? They got too much power. You'd never make it happen. I mean, you know I like it, but yeah. uh, I just think that the biggest thing is to deal with, like you said, how do we solve it? The strike is, ending the strike is separate because, like I said, I think it's political. When we come back, we'll talk about that. But how you solve the problem it's a massive problem with multiple with multiple issues, so you need multiple solutions. But the first thing you have to do is deal with reality. But everybody's skewing information, and like no one knows this information. So because you don't have all of the, you're not armed with all the information. You can't make an educated uh, assumption, and you can't really make a move that would really solve the problems because you don't really know. That's why I think when we go, I'm going to tell an interesting story when we come back. From this, this this morning, talking to a parent in school who didn't know anything, he really didn't have a side. And when I gave him some of this information, he was absolutely it's, it's blown the away. It's the politics of it. Right. And, That's but the, the politics. But part of it is the news. is because he listens to the news and he believes what he hears on the news, that all the teachers are broke and every school has no resources and they're all starting at ground zero. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer, Facebook Live. Share it while we're on the break. We will be back. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. James Brown did that to me. I grew a few inches. Welcome back to Black and Right with Charles and John. We were talking about the teacher strike, and uh, I was going to tell you, <laughs> I think I John's about to fall off his chair here, um, and I was going to tell him an um, interesting story. If you want to chime in and talk to us about this topic, you can reach us at 312-642-5600. Call in. Let us know how you feel about it. 
Are you Team CPS or Team CTU? And why? Um, so I was talking about the spreadsheet, free data, the nuts, nuts and bolts of the department. You download it and you can, you can go down the rabbit hole with this. You find all kind of interesting things, right? So I talked about the psychologist and the youth intervention specialist, but, um, you know, you talked about me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a bone to the to the pro blacks, all the people like your 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 what's in it for the black people, your Brian Mullins, all those people. In this spreadsheet, you will find that CPS spends 180 million dollars on bilingual services. So take that however you want to take that. But I know some people will parse those numbers and say that that's a problem. But doesn't that that but that also deals with Polish, yeah, Polish uh, speaking American, Chinese, Chinese, they mm-hmm. all t- Asian, all, all type of people. So it's, it's not just geared towards the Latino community. I didn't say, did I, did you hear me use the word Latino? I just want to verify. I mean, I just want to clarify. You use the word Latino. But I want to tell you really quickly, you know, I'd love to take some calls, but I want to tell you real quick about uh, um, something that happened to me this morning. I'm in the barbershop, and my barber knows I talk politics. He said, what do you think about the school school strike? And so I'm going on a rant, and there's a guy in a chair. He's there with his son, and he's a a, um, CPS parent. And he's like, well, you know, I, I didn't know they made that much. I figured they only make this. Out of I said, well, the average teacher makes like $77,000 a year. It's like, no, I thought they were making like forty, fifty thousand. 50000 like, That's what I get from the news. And I said, no, that's a site. So I pull it up and filter it. He finishes. He's sitting down. His kids, his son's in the uh, seat. So I said, like, where, did you, where does your kid go to school? He said, my kids go to Coonley, which is one of the top schools. I'm, no, I said, lucky you. And I said, I mean, you can get, get, get crazy on this because, you know, you get actual names and real salaries. So I sit there with him. I said, what's your, your daughter's na- teacher's name? He told me the name. Show him the salary, $88,000. He's like, wow. He's like, oh, my son's teacher's name is this. So he just keeps going. He's like, the first grade teacher, every teacher, he's like, oh, the librarian. The librarian in the school makes about eighty-eight grand. So we go down the list. He's like, I did not know this. I said, that's the problem. You hear a narrative that says one thing. The other side says it's not true. Nobody likes them. So they're like, oh, he's just jealous. He's making it up. But the numbers don't lie. So when faced with these numbers, people will have to shift their positions, but no one presents them with the numbers. That's the problem. That sounds scary. I mean, when you look at the the number of people, but how is that com- comparable to the suburbs of Chicago? Just like you know, DuPage, Will County teachers, uh, teachers that are in uh, Kane County. I would assume that Henry. Probably, my guess is I didn't look it up, but my guess would be that it's similar, or they probably make a little more, and some of them a little less, depending on the suburb. But they have fewer people. The pensions probably not aren't as bloated, and they don't have some of those other problems that we that, that we have to pay. So is that the problem Chicago. though? Is Chicago bloated though? Is is I mean, well, when you pay people eighty percent of their salaries at the end of their career to not work, I mean, whether you think it's fair or not, it's the bottom line. It is what it is. I understand that industries used to do it, but the bottom line is what you're saying with a pension is, John, you're no longer working. You're fifty-five. Thank you for your service. Here's seventy-two thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life. And oh, by the way, because of you know advances in medicine, you're probably going to live thirty years. So here's seventy thousand. For 30 years, multiplied by thousands of people. That's a lot of money. You're paying people to not work. So obviously, that takes a toll on your budget. So yes, you're bloated. Okay. <laughs> now, as somebody, like, I've got to go back again to being a, a, a I'm, I'm going to, yes, as, as somebody who was a union rep, I mean, in the union, mm-hmm. when you look at what teachers have to go through in a 30-year career. So? Everybody's got to go through something. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, no. You ever been a teacher? No. Okay, so you but can't say so. Never done what I've done. No, but you can't say so because sure I can. No, you, you, you can watch, say watch, it. Watch. You can so? say it, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't hold weight because you've never sure had. Yet yeah, no, hold on, wait. Time out. Don't interrupt. It doesn't hold weight 
because you've never been in the position to actually do it. Teaching is a look. I taught G. I taught GED for a year and a half, and that was so exhausting. Just for a year and a half, and for and 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 to have somebody who's out there doing it for thirty years, dude, it takes a toll. Especially today's teaching climate, where there's no respect for teachers and anything like that. Now, this is where I do have to stand up for the teachers that are out there. They do a job that's tough, that's hard, and at the end of the day, after thirty years, thirty years should be enough for a teacher. I'm sorry, just like I think. 20 years should be enough for a cop. It's a tough, mentally draining job. Simple as that. Explain what uh, that should be enough means. What? After 30 years of of teaching, teaching? if they want to retire, they should be able to retire and get their full benefits. Who said they they shouldn't retire? No, what I'm saying, you saying 30, it it means nothing to be a teacher. No, that's not what I said. Well, clarify. I said, oh, I'll be, okay. What I'm saying is, you're twofold. You're saying that because a job is stressful or it takes a toll or it's an important job or are they doing a yeoman's work, they are. I didn't say, but see, but, but, but you're saying that one has nothing to do with the other. Nobody said that part is true, but you cut it off there. So, so that means what? So you're saying because of that, they deserve to retire Charles, $100,000 a year? You've never what taught. You but what are you saying? You've never taught. So you don't understand the, the, the dynamics that of having to go through being a teacher. So how could you, how could you comment on, on that issue? You've never done it. Comment on what issue? On, on being a teacher. It's, it's tough, dude. You're not listening. No, you sound no, like no, the left. You, no, no. You sound like the left. No. Because I'm no. not commenting on teaching. You're, you're acting as if I'm commenting on teaching. You tried to shut me down when I was, when I was explaining. Listen, there mm-hmm. you go again. Listen, you tried to shut it down. Have you ever taught? Have you ever been in a school environment and where you were the teacher? Yes or no? I, exactly. That's what I thought. I thought so, that had been answered, so you're wasting valuable time asking me the same question over But and over. you're not answering it. That's why. <laughs> really? We're going to have to go to the tape. I think I Clar- said multiple clarify. times I've never teach. But you never still taught. never clarify what, 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 what you were trying to say. I don't know what you're talking about. Bottom line is, you're trying to equate whether you're, you're changing. You're doing what the teachers are doing. You're changing the topic to whether the teacher's job is important job or whether the job is hard. That has nothing to do with how much you retire, how much the city can afford, and what you make, and whether you should retire in thirty years. Nobody said you can't retire. So why am I? But they keep I said, pushing the retirement the age city, back. The, the state. Look, I know this. What do you mean? The city can if you thirty years and fifty-five, you can retire. Who's pushing that back? No. No. Everybody else retires at 70. You, you just don't you, have to work You do know the state legislator controls when they can retire and in what age they can retire. So you, The so state legislators controls that, not the Chicago Teachers Union or CPS. State so, legislators control that. So so what year are the, is the average teacher retiring? Well, most of them are going all, all the way up to 30, 30 35 years yeah, now. Yeah, but what age are they? Um, most of them, at today's age, today's teacher, 67, 70-something years old. What, what age is the average person in, in the private sector retiring? But we're talking about teachers. We're not talking about private sector. We're talking about we're talking about what's happening. Well, listen, hold on. Because you, what you're spinning is you're saying now you're doing you, you're doing that you're doing the thing the left does that that, that you want to play a, a, a favorites game. You're saying it's that, not about favorites. Well, sure, what you do, what you're saying is that there should be different rules for different people. And the private, I just said that the private sector, the public sector should not be treated any worse than anybody else, but they shouldn't be treated better. You're saying that they shouldn't have to work to their 65 or 70, but everybody else should have to work to their 65 or 70. Are you saying that teaching the police and all those public sector jobs are the only jobs that are draining and tiring no. and physically straining? No. So, so, so now we should gauge by the, the stress of the job and that should dictate when you retire? Well, it's called collective bargaining. You know what that is? I'm asking you a question. It's should, called collective should, bargaining. Should the retirement age for a position be dictated by how hard the job is. Uh, no. But 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 when it comes to when it comes to what what you collectively bargain in your contract, 
I'm sorry. I'm 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 100 with collective bargaining. I don't think anybody should ever get rid of collective bargaining because what happens is people run roughshod. You have all these institutions that run roughshod. If if, if that collective bargaining aspect is not there, this is and this is one of the reasons why I got into a, a big hitch with 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 Governor Rauner. I'm pro union. I think. Do I think that we can tweak and, and make some changes? Yes, but I'm pro union, and I'm not afraid or ashamed to say that I'm pro union. We have to protect the men and women that are out there teaching um, our kids, Chicago and throughout um, the United States of America. That's just simply that's that's just it. And and to say that I'm acting like the left, no, I'm acting like a reasonable person who understands who was in a union who had to vote on certain union things. You've never been in that position to do any of that. I have. I only got two quick questions. Um, when did you become a leftist, and are you Bernie? Not a leftist. Are, are you Bernie or Elizabeth? I'm not a leftist. W- which one do you prefer? I just, I just believe Bernie I believe, Sanders or Elizabeth. What's the system what? that's which in place? Do you what's the system that's in place? The system that's in place right now is that the system that's in place right now is that there are unions. Somebody who's actually been in the a system union. is broken because you've it been is, in the union. We can, change, mean, but, well, we can but make those changes. But we, the system's not broken. No, we can. No, so I never said that. No. I, but you keep saying I'm out. not in the union. So. I actually, I actually voted. I voted for the pension reform. So the only way I out. could know, no. So you kept asking me about teachers. Can, so let me re- re- we can't fix that. this problem. The only way I would know whether um, being addicted to drugs is bad is if I was addicted to drugs. What? That must be what you're saying. You keep saying you're not a teacher, so you don't know. So only a teacher would know but what you, makes sense. But you've sense. never been only in the inner workings of that, is what I mean. Know, only a teacher would know. You have a contract. You ever been in the contract negotiations? You ever had to have contract, contract well, negotiations? Well, we're running out of teacher time. That was good. So now we're going to shift gears to impeachment, where you're going to fight me because I'm <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not pro-Trump enough. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. You're so gangster. Um, well, that was a good, a good uh, segment last time to those who say that we uh, don't disagree. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you want to uh, kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what's been going on nationally. You talked about the impeachment a little bit while I was out, mm-hmm. but uh want to fast forward to what's been changing and what's been going on more recently and talk about your homies, your GOP members <laughs> of Congress who decided to uh, storm the hill. Well, I, I think it was uh, Congressman Matt Gates from Florida. Um, he led the charge to go into the what's called the skiff. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, uh, it's, you can only you can only you were only allowed into the skiff if you were on three certain committees. Uh, Matt Gates was is on in, on the Judiciary Committee, so he wasn't allowed in there. Now, if you know what's going on with with, with uh, Adam Skiff, Adam Schiff, Skiff, uh, <laughs> he's, he's he's doing a very close to the chest uh, so called impeachment inquiry inquiry, mm-hmm. which technically he shouldn't be doing because the Constitution calls for the Judiciary Committee to hold it, and the House the, the entire the House of Representatives shall have the sole power mm-hmm. to hold it. But they think they're slick. What they're saying is that we're not doing it. We're just, do, we're just gathering information to decide if we want to do that. When we do that, we will include everybody. Right. Else, but let us do this little secret mission. So And let us cherry pick all the information that we want to be sent out to the public so that they can... So Because what, what they're trying to really move is the barometer of the, the polling. The public. Right. For, for the yep. public, so that and it's working. It's working. I hear it's going that it's, way. It's, well, Fox News. I don't know if you you listened to the show. We did a, we did a 
of uh, we talked about what Fox News. Oh, right, right. That, that, that Trump was not. Happy and the numbers about. that they used, the people that they used to to uh, come up with those numbers, it was just a false and misleading poll. But because of what Matt Schiff and the and the and I think it was like twenty something Republicans right, right, right. went and did, Got our good buddy thing, right Lindsey Graham went and did this. Play yes, that. play that clip for you. Okay, this is Lindsey in the Senate. His response to that. Uh, I have introduced a resolution today with Senator McConnell. And the purpose of the resolution is to let the House know that the process you're engaging in regarding the attempted impeachment of uh, President Trump is out of bounds. It's inconsistent with due process as we know it. It's a start. Think about that. Mm -hmm. What you're doing, the Senate, because remember, the Senate, once they do refer the articles of impeachment over to the Senate, it comes to, to who? Lindsey Graham, yep. because he's chairman of the judiciary of the, of the Senate. Exactly. So he's basically telling them, hey, what you guys are doing is not consistent with due process or the Constitution. Whatever happened to due process in our country, in our nation, when you look at what happened to Kavanaugh, when you look at anything, any and everything that Trump does, there's never any due process. It's always whatever comes out first. Oh, believe it. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah, that's true. I mean, um, we have gone to the point that, we let our emotions carry us, and if if the and the ends justifying the means. So if we want, we got our target set on you. We do whatever we can to to take you down. So Lindsay continues. Uh, I have introduced a resolution today with Senator McConnell, and the purpose of the resolution is to let the House know that the process you're engaging in regarding the attempted impeachment of uh, President Trump is out of bounds. It's inconsistent with due process as we know it. It's a star chamber type inquiry, and it's a substantial deviation from what the House has done in the past regarding impeachment of other presidents. And one I can speak of very firmly is the impeachment of President Clinton. We had an impeachment inquiry vote on the floor of the House. I was there. 31 Democrats voted to open up an impeachment inquiry. And after, after that inquiry, where's the other chart? These were the rights given to uh, President Clinton. Did you? What was the last word? These were the, the rights. rights given to President Clinton. He also said 31 Democrats, meaning it was a bipartisan thing. It wasn't something that was hidden. It wasn't something that was secretive. It was, hey, let's come together. And f hey, the president of the United States, President Clinton, did something wrong. Let's figure that out together. Mm -hmm. Not not let's let Adam Schiff, who's done what? The parody, mm -hmm. who's... Uh, was prank phone call by the Ukrainian um, comedians. Mm -hmm. um, you want this guy in control of an investigation that's going to impeach, that's going to send articles of impeachment to a, do, a, a rightfully elected president of the United States of America. Think about that. I'm, I'm, to, I'm to our audience, think about that. If this was you, if I as a police officer did what's happening to President Trump right now, Every single thing that happens to you would get completely wiped out. I would be in jail. I would definitely go to jail as a police officer if I try to take away all of the due processes of the people. And think about that. If that happened to you. Right. So what is the course of action? What do you do? Well, uh, I, I think what, what, what Lindsay is doing, uh, following his resolution, is say, hey, either you, either you file, you, 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 you do a vote in the, in the full house, and allow the president to get all of these these rights. But okay, well, let's take a step back. Here's the bigger question, though. As a full-throated Trump supporter, what do you do about the optics of it? I don't really think they're going to be able to get anything done, you know, through procedural uh, methods. But you mentioned earlier that it's, it's shifting the public. So mm -hmm. if that continues to go that way, what does the GOP and what, do, what does the Trump administration do to kind of battle that? 
Well, I think Lindsey, um, uh, further down in that clip, he talked about the messaging of, of, of President Trump and his team. And he basically told the president, you guys got to get your messaging together. But here's the deal, though, Charles. Who's telling us the, me- the, the needle was moving? The media. When you look, but what about go out and talk to people who are everyday Americans who are really not paying attention to what's go, really going on? Mm-hmm. There it lies your answer. The media is pushing this, not um, everyday Americans who support Trump like myself. Well, that, this is going to be obviously this is a saga that's going to continue. There'll be more going on there. Um, so we'll just stick to it and pay attention to see what happens next. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about uh, more Trump driver. <laughs> Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. So Trump uh, seemed to have uh, stepped in it yet again, getting everybody all, their feathers all riled up recently. That's what I love about him. Yeah, this time it's um, it was all surrounding lynching so apparently he was upset and he was talking about how this um impeachment hearings and uh closed door inquiry is uh unfair and he compared it to a lynching lynching and uh, the democrats pounced on it and they were not up, up uh happy about it right john uh, i mean none of them were happy about it and when you when you it was funny because I got a, a call and said, hey, what do you think about Trump and his lynching? Trump, he's, he's done. He's, he's completely messed up now. He said the word lynching. I said, well, when did, when did the word lynching become just a black-oriented word that, was that only thought. blacks can be used? Right. That's, that's, that was my thought. I, I said, I, can, I recall a lot of you know, white liberal men using the word lynching. And, you know, well, that can't be true. No, but, you know, there's a presidential that's candidate. That's fake news. Is, is, but what about the presidential candidate who's used that word before? What's his name? Do you, do you know his name? I can't believe that that's ever possible. I think you're making that up. Well, you know what? Let's let's let the listening audience decide. I, I got a clip here from Joe Biden. You want me to play that? Oh, go ahead, play it. Right, let's see what Joe Biden has to say. He's probably going to denounce lynching. Is what he's no say. lynching. Yep. Whites can't say that. Even if the president should be impeached, history is going to question whether or not this was just a partisan lynching or whether or not it was something that, in fact, met the standard, the very high bar that was. That's different. He was probably talking about Obama, right? Yep. But what he said, the president. I, th- I he- think that was Bill Clinton. He was talking about. Right? Oh. oh, was it? Was it Bill Clinton? Oh, it wasn't so he, Obama. So he used lynching in, in talking about an impeachment uh, hearing, and he said political lynching. Oh, oh but yeah. but I mean that's one guy. It's not like anybody else did it. The trap that I talked about earlier, which which is simply inaccurate. It is wrong. It is a. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was John Kerry, the lurch. So, so John Kerry and Joe Biden said that the impeachment of Clinton was a political lynching, and then Trump says it's a political lynching, and he's a racist because lynching means black people, except for when Democrats say it. But why is it that we always have? I mean, are there only certain words that only black people can use, or? Um, I don't oh, yeah. know, Charles. You, you found some interesting you know, things. I found there, some didn't you? very interesting things that I, I looked up on the. Um, it's, it's a website called Very Smart Brothers. And it listed 20 words and phrases that white people just ain't allowed to say. Okay, give you me a couple of them. All right. What about bodega? 
bodega. I can see how they would use okay, but that's kind of give me something else. Hood. Hood. Well, how can the clan members put on their hoods if they can't say hood? There you go. Uh what about oh, here's one of my favorite. Ghetto. Well, you know, I just came back from Eastern Europe, and I got to school the people and let them know what ghetto was originally. The word was literally first used from the Jewish ghettos. Nope. Had nothing to do with black people, but go on. Yeah. Um, oh, this is the one you talked about earlier. What's good? I mean, what if I want to know what's good? I just want to know what's good. I can't ask? No. You can't even say ninja. Wait a minute. That's not on the list. You're this is, Ninja is on the list. I'll show you if you want. We'll, we'll post this to right, the, uh, the Facebook, because, Black and okay, right Facebook page. Give me another one. Uh, what about homie? I see homie, that's racist. What else? Cousin. You can't say homie. You can't even say cousin. So if you have cousins, you got to call them something else. I got to say, I was talking to my mother's sister's son. It takes too long. Well, this article says, it just sounds wrong coming from a white person's mouth. Plus, we know how they generally feel about cousin culture. All right, I'm about to say, I'm about to lose my card. <laughs> what is a cousin culture? Um, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What else you got? Um, how about... Soul food. Now, 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 now they're losing me. What if somebody wants to eat it? All right, here's How do you one. order it? Here's one for you. I. I'm sorry? I. What? I don't understand. I. How'd just you, how'd just you say. How to, how'd you learn how to say that? Dude, I'm from the hood. I'm from, I mean, you're black hood. yourself. But I'm from the hood. All right. Just say, all right, man. All righty is even better for you. <laughs> all righty, then. Oh, here's the one you also talked about. Yams. Yams. You mean the, the the food? Well, but you, because black people call it sweet potatoes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. White people call them yams. That's so what I always thought. Why can't they thought. say yams? They should not be allowed to say sweet potatoes. I potato. always thought they called them yams. So and we they call, they call them sweet potatoes. Well, you know what? What I'm getting from this is I, I can solve all this. Why are white people? Oh, you got one more? Go I, ahead. I got to get two more in real quick. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Black Twitter. Black Twitter. And moist. You're making the last one up. There's I no way that's on there. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. It's it is definitely on here. People and I got a solution for all this. White people should just not be allowed to speak. But I, I, and I think that's Why the point. Speakers? Just don't talk. I think that's the point. And I think and I think one, one of the, one of the things I like about President Trump is he's just not afraid. He's he's gonna, he's he's the most he's the biggest and most epic troller I've ever seen. A lot of people think he has a lot of people that troll him, but Trump trolls the media almost every single day with stuff like this. With with saying words like lynching. Mm-hmm. Um, is it or is it not a political lynching? What's happening to President Trump? Well, it's worse than that because what people are in, in, saying is that they I hate when they do this. They equate negative things to black people that has nothing to do with black people. And then black people do it themselves. So you go around saying you can't say that. You can't say milk because milk is white. Well, nobody oh. said it was white, but you. It's so hard. you are. It's, a, it's like a constant cycle of victim mentality. And again, and in the segment schooling people, um, what they need to know is more vigilante justice than a racial thing, even though when it was black people, it was 100% racist. But, you know, a third of the people in America who were lynched were white. Yep. So maybe some of the white people, like the blackest people, can... Uh, hey, Oreos, <laughs> and you know what? It's a political lynching, what's happening to the president of the United States today. Well, stick with us on Facebook Live or switch to us on AM560 Live on the radio. Back with Black and Right with Charles and John in just a moment. And now, more of Black and Right on AM560. Here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. 
back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. If you haven't been with us, if you're listening to us live on the radio, we were live on Facebook. You can catch the whole stream. Um, we've been talking all kinds of things and um, talking about the Trump impeachment inquiry. And that was a kangaroo court like that song. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it looks like somebody wants to talk to us. Mike from Yorkville has uh, something to say about teaching kids history. Mike. Charles, thanks for Charles. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, I, I was listening to your story about the young lady that you said she was not taught or she didn't learn about communism. Um, right there is a prime example of why we need to make sure we encourage our children, especially in conservative families, and to teach our children properly to grow up to be the next doctors, lawyers, teachers, professors, researchers, all of that. Yeah, because well, I... go ahead. If we don't. Oh, no, that's okay. If we don't, uh, we're not teaching history. Right, but the, we're the not bigger thing the is that, that we're wrong, and we, we can repeat them. We need to teach. The, the key part there, though, Mike, you're right, but it means that we need to teach people in addition to the schools. What people have gotten themselves into now is the schools, used, parents used to be involved, but now it's the babysitter, the food, the food giver, the social worker, and the teacher. So they just send the kid to school and, like, they're going to do everything, and I don't have to do anything. I don't care if your school is a successful school. You need to be involved, and you need to be supplementing, and you need to be teaching beyond that, and that's the problem. And two-parent household. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate your call, and you are totally right. He was going back to last week okay. with my truth. I was like, I didn't say anything like, about that today. I was like, I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> but I did say those things. And it was a good segue, though. I didn't know what he was going to say in in uh, relative to teaching, but it's important because I sent John a link we want to talk about uh, in the Free Beacon. They had an article uh, that's really sad saying that the majority of Americans want to rewrite the First Amendment. Now, they said that 51 percent of them want to squash hate speech, but the, like 60 percent of millennials want to rewrite the First Amendment. And that's terrible. That means they don't understand freedom. They don't understand the Constitution. And that is, you know, a generational thing, and we're going in the wrong direction. Direction. We need to find a way to change that. Where are all these polling polls coming from? Who's who's doing all these polls? I mean, who? I mean, who are they polling? You're, that's right. It, it's just it's ridiculous. It's like every day there's a poll. Hey Charles, you shouldn't drink that coffee. Yeah. Hey Charles, you should you should probably you drink, should drink more coffee. Oh, all right. Hey, hey Charles, you should drink red wine. Hey Charles, you should drink white, white wine. According to these people we've polled, are you kidding me? I mean, this this millennial generation. Is is I, I was hoping that the young guy came here today, Miss uh, uh, a good friend of my Laura's uh, grandson, because I was going to bring when when I saw this, I was going to bring this up to him, but unfortunately he didn't come because I, I know how my daughter feels about a lot of this stuff, and my daughter's very headstrong and she has she's very opinionated, and I mean she definitely believes in the First Amendment, the first and I mean the, the whole Constitution, but what are we teaching our kids when it comes to First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Third Amendment, because all of these are under assault. Nothing. That's the problem. We're teaching them nothing. We're sending them to left-wing schools and assuming that the teachers are teaching them all this stuff. So either if you're lucky, your teacher's just not touching, broaching the subject at all. Ask you're lucky. They need to learn it. But at least they're not doing the alternative, which is the teachers that's, you know, pointing lasers at Trump's face or saying Republicans are evil and hate black people or teaching them that socialism and communism is great. They're teaching that kind of thing. So we really, if you're a parent, you need to get in there and you need to be involved. And uh, it looks like... This is taking a turn, and a lot of our conversation is going to be about 
what's what's happening. But, you know, this is what we always talk about, what the left is doing to hurt things and how we need to fight again and we're fighting an uphill battle. So coming up, we will continue to talk about that, go into other areas where positive things are being hurt by the negatives of the left. You're listening to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love. What's up? We are now live on AM560, The Answer, and still live on Facebook. This is like uh, radio jiu-jitsu. we got to keep up with where we are. So if you're on Facebook Live, you can always see us nonstop. But uh, I get people texting me like, why aren't you on the radio today? I am now. <laughs> so I uh, hope you're tuning in and uh, enjoying the show so far. So we tackled quite a bit of stuff. Uh-oh. But uh, now I think I want to shift again and talk about Beto O'Rourke. Here we go. Now, we can pick out a lot of the uh, Democrat presidential hopefuls, but he is a uh, particularly interesting case. Uh, he says something else crazy that one of our guests is going to talk about uh, later in the hour. But right now, I want to talk about his opposition to organizations who oppose LGBTQ issues and what he wants to do about that, John. Sorry to catch you sipping. Yeah, you caught me right in the middle of the sip. Um, you know, I still have yet to hear any major denominational pastor come out and speak against what he said. I've yet to hear. I mean, where are the T.D. Jakes? Where are the, the, the big-name preachers, Joel Olstein? Uh, nobody has come out and said and refuted or, or, or tried to correct him and get a better, clear and understanding of what he was actually trying to say. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, Beto said that um, if you don't support same-sex marriage and the LGBTQ agenda uh, and you are a nonprofit organization, primarily a church, mm-hmm. that you should have your nonprofit status removed. I, we both know that that's, the, that's who they're really targeting. They're not targeting a lot of these nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. They're really profiting faith-based institutions. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, imagine if, you know, they did this to the Islamic faith or, yeah, I, I think they, they, they'll have a, some huge problems or, the, or, the, or someone in the Jewish faith. or It's always focused and narrowed towards the Christian faith. Yeah, Why is that? Because you attack the big guy first and then you come after everybody else. And unfortunately, too many Muslims and, and Jews think that they're just talking about them. They're not talking about us. But this is one in particular that would uh, 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 particularly affect them, because if you pass that law, then it's a law, so it doesn't matter if anybody does it, they can do it, right? They can come after you. But to your question, it's interesting. It's sad, but, I mean, we know the answer. You ask, why, where are all these people, these supposed uh, faith leaders, and what are they doing and why aren't they saying things? Because, unfortunately, the church has become a political apparatus, and most of those people you mentioned, not all, but most of them, some of them are, you know, kind of stay out of the fray, but most of them are leftists or di- Democrats. So they feel that they're not going to be attacked, right? So if this happened, even though they're only attacking Christians, let's be real. Beto's really attacking a specific group. He's yeah. not just attacking Christians. He's attacking 
conservative Christians. Correct. Correct. Right? Because Correct. If, a, if, if a Christian leader is a Democrat, now he may not agree with that agenda, but for the most part, he's not speaking out against it. So no. they won't know. So the people who are more likely to be out saying that this is wrong or this is not biblical will be the conservatives. So they can, you know, so if they catch three or four Democrat uh, faith leaders in their net, they're okay with that. They're collateral damage. They're going after the conservatives. But I, I think this goes back to the, the, the previous segment we just did about how I think that your thing is that 60 some percent of the millennials want the sec, the first amendment changed. Yeah. They want to, they want to change the first amendment to, um, in the constitution, not protect hate speech. Right. Now, whatever you think, the biggest problem with that is, is cause I, you know, I'm always talking about the culture and talking about human nature. So the problem is we got 330 million people in this country. Mm -hmm. We all have different views. Who gets to decide what hate speech is? Yeah. Right. So well, the, the, initially you're thinking they're talking about transphobia, homophobia, black issues. Mm -hmm. But it can go to anything. People can say, I don't like tall people, short people, fat people, rich people. I don't like people with white beards. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> hate speech. Right. So I want that person in jail and I want their job. Yeah. Right. Where, who gets to dictate is the problem. So the way they move in this majority rule, they want to go to they don't want to have a republic. They want to say majority rule. So but the majority always changes. Yeah. So what happens when the Republicans are in majority? Yeah. Right. What happens when, you know, the far left is in majority? Then the definition of hate crime, hate speech, I'm sorry, will change based on the prevailing winds. And that's a problem. You know, um, one of the one of my greatest quotes, one of the things I always go to uh, when I give speeches, um, especially when I give speeches about guns and anything about rights, uh, Ronaldo's Magnus, he said this, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. And the, and the operative word in that will be word free because they will be telling word them about free. how it used to be that case. So you talk about the LGBTQ agenda. Uh, we got a couple calls we want to go to. But first, and call in if you like at uh, 312-642-5600 and get in on the conversation here. But I, I said John a link and John, his mouth was his mouth just fell open here. So uh, there's a, I was talking, uh, you know, I, I promote the show on um the afternoon show with Stephanie yesterday. She said, what are you talking about? I was like, I, I, I said, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is the Tallahassee fires. She's like, what happened? I said, Google it. So I'm looking at the Tallahassee Democrat, their local paper, and they're talking about how there was a series of fires and they were looking for a suspect where a woman got ignited and set on fire at a Taco Bell. What was the keyword? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. This woman got, got lit on fire. And they're saying that they were looking for a suspect. And they thought that that fire was tied to some other series of fires, a church fire, car fire, and some other things. So they're looking for the suspect. And then it says, here, yeah, I have to find the quote. Oh. It says something about the person was, uh, where is she, that um, they, the, the suspect was Mia Williams. Mia was arrested for allegedly lighting a woman on fire Wednesday at a Taco Bell and possibly linked to a series of overnight early morning fires. Oh boy. We have her last day as November 11th, almost a year ago, doing something, blah, 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 blah. And then I said to John and told him to scroll down. And if you, and if you look, at the, uh, look up this article on Tallahassee Democrat and look at Mia Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Mia Williams is, uh, how would you describe her? Um, I would say that um, she has a full beard. Beard is be probably better than mine. 
Um, yeah, no, no clear, a receding hair, no clear distinction that, uh, if I was a cop and this came out that I was looking for a female, I would not have stopped this individual that's in this Because it's right a 32 now. year old man. Correct. Mia Williams is. Bad enough that they do that, but then in the article, they still describe him as such. Criminal burning stuff set a woman on fire, and you're like, well, she's being arraigned on Tuesday. So as we move to uh, what we're doing is we're normalizing and people are just buying into it. It's one thing to say people should do what they want to do, but we can't even report. Well, what if he was still free and they were looking for him? Correct. How did you say that they would be reporting it? Um, a female, first of all, would have come out. Uh, black female, it would have come out. If you're lucky. Right, because because that's what they would have been told by Taco Bell, whoever witnessed the uh, incident. So how would they find her? Um, this individual would still be free today because uh, unless someone came in and say, no, it's a male black who had a beard and receding hairline uh, and had and a very stupid look on his face. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, let's uh, see what Candace, Candace in uh, Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin, has to say. Candace, you're on AM 560, The Answer with Charles and John. Good afternoon. I love this show. I just tweeted out about it. Um, okay, this whole James Younger thing is like a shot mm. in oh, the dark because God. the GOP has been hiding from this issue, and I'm telling you, 90% of the GOP are on the same page on this issue, and a lot, a lot of Democrats, yeah. okay? Um, people are not buying this thing that seven-year-olds can make their own decision. That is a lot of crap, right. and the GOP needs to go in to use this case and this needs to be the shot against the bow. We already have some GOP who are smart enough to use this issue of women athletes versus men in uh, women's clothing um, stealing their scholarships. You, you know, you're right, Candace. Um, John was just mentioning that. He said, why aren't the feminists standing up? And I said, you know, you're wrong. They? they are now. That's the thing. They are getting upset. They are speaking out. They spoke out against yeah. that against that guy on the bike. They're like, they are erasing. We are feminists and leftists, but they are erasing us. We just need exactly. more people to yeah. act. We need that. And, and Candace, I think the, yeah. I think the Texas governor, I think he is um, taking on the case. I think I think you yes, are seeing. Yeah, correct. Yes. And I, and I, and I, I do it's think you're going to see something. Yeah, good. I mean, but it's happening every day. You know, people aren't very educated on this, but they should go on YouTube. There's a, there's a doctor who used to work for the John Hopkins Hospital. And when he was in school, he did his rounds in the trans community. And, you know, they have over 30 years of, of studies. But yep. this new movement that came about during the Obama administration is a Netherlands movement, mm. and it's not based on any actual science. Yeah, thank you, like Candace. We're running out of time here, but you're right. And I'm glad she mentioned John Hopkins because they used to do the surgery, and they decided they weren't going to do it anymore. So that's important. Yeah, um, like the great Bob Woodson said to me recently, I, lo- I told him I was going to steal this. He said the problem with the GO- GOP is they have no starch in their shorts. Oh, <laughs> So we will follow up and do more of this when we come back. We have Verlon on the line. I know he's going to have something interesting to say. So let's stay around and see what he has to say. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Continues on AM560. Once again, here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with Charles and John. Um, we were talking about uh, Beto wanting to pull non um, uh, status of uh, churches from um, non tax exempt if their uh, views are opposed of um, 
LGBT uh, actions or gay marriage and things of that nature. And um, we were going to go to Verlon, who had something to say about uh, what happens when you speak out against them. Verlon from the South Side, you're on AM560, The Answer with Charles and John. How are you gentlemen doing today? What's up, brother? Fantastic. You, now, you, you you know, Bill O'Rourke is the perfect vessel for what I need to say. Now, you know I take these people on every weekend. Mm -hmm. What you guys have to understand is the LGBTQ cross community is part of the social justice agenda. And, John, you spoke to it. If any pastor or priest or whatever speaks out, they will feel the full weight and power of yeah. that community. That community is a very rich community. You know, Sean from Millwood Park, or Sean Thompson, we can call him Sean Thompson now, he always called them the gay mafia. You know, it's something to that. They are a mafia. If you, if you speak against them, they will, they will get behind any endorsements you may have, any money that you may have coming in, they'll cut it off at the knees. And these people are vicious. They will destroy you. And I want you to, I want you, I know you guys are well read. You guys, you guys read books, but go home one day and turn on the TV. Name me a TV show that doesn't have a gay couple or some kind of gay message to it. You Ver won't find one. Verlon, you're going to make me, <laughs> okay, this is a humble brag, but not only do I read books, I write, write books, books. And there's a whole chapter in my most recent <laughs> book about that. <laughs> it's like you, everybody, it's like good, plus and minus. Good. Blacks are no longer only pimps and, and, and drug yeah. dealers on TV. Bad. Yeah. None of them date black people. 100% yeah. of them are either in an interracial relationship or gay. That's by design. Yeah, yeah. You are 100% right. <laughs> Thanks so much. That book is, by the way, say, he's still the, going. It, it's the black churches. The black churches are arms of the Democrat Party. And the, the last voice for what America believes in is on conservative radio. If, if we lose our voice, we lose America. Well, not, not, not all black churches. I, 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 the, you know, I have to, uh, to push back against them a little bit on that. Because when you look at Creflo Dollar, when you look at, um, uh, I forget the name, the guy um, uh, out in um, uh, Charles, uh, uh, Winston, Bill Winston. Oh, uh -huh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. When you look at these people, th not all of them are, are bought and sold by the, the, the Democrat Party. But, I mean, I think what, 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 what uh, Verlon just said, what you just said, lends a lot to, as you know, Kanye West has been in, in the news media a lot lately, mm -hmm. you know, about him. Is he still on? <laughs> I heard a car door. Yeah. <laughs> He's got oh, on his yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's still on there. I heard a car door. I'm like, where's the car door coming from? I thought he was on hold. <laughs> um, it's but, literally not holding. But a lot of it, Lynn. <laughs> but it, but it, but when you look at what Kanye West, I mean everything that he's, I mean all the abuse that he's going through. He said he he was he was he was on an interview with Big Boy. Is that his name? The the, the real huge guy yeah, who uh, lost all the weight, yeah, yeah, had the yeah, surgery, yeah, yeah. and now he's like thin as ice. Uh, Kanye West was on his show, and they were talking about the cancel culture. They were talking about Kanye was talking about everything that he's you know his faith and um, how now he's, he's he's he really believes that he's he's sold out for Jesus and all that. But Kanye made a very good point. Play the cue. Clip. My father's a Black Panther. My mother got arrested for the sit-ins at age six. They were fighting for us to have the right to our opinion, not the right to vote for whoever the white liberals said black people are supposed to vote for. You get what I'm saying? And then James Corden went in and said, well, this president, you're Christian, and this president, I don't see anything Christian 
about them. I said, okay, so last year y'all tried to tell me who I'm supposed to vote for because I'm black. Now this year, white liberals trying to tell me who I'm supposed to vote for because I'm Christian. Dude, I mean, tell me, is he spot on or what? No, he's right. He's totally right. And um, unfortunately, you give enough powerful people and enough uh, different groups enough power, and they will just keep going. They, they, they'll, they'll steamroll you. Why would they stop, right? It's like, right. well, you keep giving me what I want. You want to keep moving. Now, keep in mind, we're live on the radio, so we got to keep it PC. But you know I want to bring it up. A couple months ago, Malik Yoba, and now Tank. I don't know if you all don't know. I know most of the people, I mean, we got our people listening, but there's some people out there listening to 5, 6 on radio who, who, who don't listen to, uh, you know, urban radio and may not know some of these other, but there's an R&B singer named, named Tank. <clears throat> I can do it, John. You don't believe I can do it. And and Tank was recently in the media. He was on a show and he was talking about doing male men doing certain things with other men doesn't necessarily make you gay. So he's almost like you could. He, he said something about you can do things a couple of times and it's not a big deal. So it's almost like he's saying, why are you trying to uh, label people and put people in a box? Right. So you you can do something. You can date date a guy. You can have sex with a guy. You can do what it is. But that doesn't mean you're gay. So what does mean you only if you say it? Is there a certain number of times? Where does this come from? And why does he feel confident? So think about it. Just to pose these two things, the black Christian which what used to be the base of our community is afraid to speak out regardless of politically where they stand about their views. Right. But now you got normative blacks that are saying that just feel, feel comfortable to just say that. When I mentioned Malik Yoba it's because a couple of months ago, an actor Malik Yoba said that uh, black men, straight black men should stop making a big deal about dating uh transgender women. What's mm-hmm. wrong? Everybody should be able to date a transgender woman. And if you don't, that just means you're homoph- homophobic. I don't have a problem with dating one and you shouldn't either. Right? So they're pushing this and making this normative. Verlon talked about the relationships, but it go when in the book, we want equality, how the fight for equality gave way to preference. I talk about more than just the, the, the characters on the show or the dating aspect. It's the situations of the shows, right? Every show, the topic is about if, if there's an illegal in the show, he's the most pristine illegal ever. He's never right. broken the law, right? If there's a, a gay person, he's being abused and bashed as if that's a hundred percent of the people. It's like they're trying to create a narrative to normalize stuff. And most people either don't watch or they're sitting back doing nothing or the GOP, as Bob Woodson says, has no starch in their shorts. But you know, one of the things that I've learned, I, I, I have real, I believe good friends who are who live who who are gay who are lesbian well, you you name it I, I think everyone except the the trans I have I have a friend that's you know in that lifestyle um most of them I found really don't care right they really I mean they they look at what's happening now in 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 the community I mean in in politics and in, in the news and and they're like I just want to live my life. I want to be left alone. And the converse is true. Most conservatives, whether they think it's right or wrong, doesn't mean, the the problem is, people think that if you think it's wrong, that means you're like, hey, gay bashing is great. Or hey, make them all lose their job. They're just like, you ask me what my personal belief is, but I think they should do, we're more free market minded and and, and freedom minded. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. We touch the hot button here, I guess, because we got more calls on. They want to talk about, you know, Jan is saying that everybody knows what's right is right and wrong is wrong. There's only two species, male and female. Let's go to Jan. And and Ann says the gay community hated Bush and they wanted Cheney because his daughter was a lesbian. But but the, the time, but what I'm saying is, 
You know, all those things are true, but what's most important is what you said, that most of the gay community just like, just leave us alone and let, them, let us live our lives. And most conservatives, if they weren't pushing, if people were on the left, not just gays, it's not gays, it's the far left, wasn't pushing an extreme narrative, the other people would be like, I don't care what you do. I have a friend who's somewhere in the middle of the road, he's a gay guy, and he tell me about, he, it was funny, he told me about this guy was in his building was complaining about, you know, gays and self-dress, and these people, do you just treat me this way because I'm gay or whatever? He said, dude. Whatever, I'm not saying it never happens to gay people, but come on. We live in Chicago, one of the most liberal cities in the country. Quit acting like you're oppressed. There's a gay right. guy who's not a conservative telling him stop it. It's not true. Wait, but, but, but I think, I think that's, that's the bigger picture. I think the conflation of, uh, I think geography has a lot to do with a lot of what's going on. I mean, in Chicago, very liberal Chicago, um, when you look at everything that's happening in Chicago, Chicago is, is leading at the forefront of all gay rights, the agenda for the gay rights. Chicago is one of the leading factors. But you go to Montana, you go to somewhere and I mean, I can see how they can feel ostracized, but they still can't. This is what this is what they were trying to do with the gay marriage debate. They still can't say that they understand what black people went through with slavery. Yeah, and that's stuff just like crazy. That. But they also can't say they're oppressed. Where are all the stories? There's media everywhere. Where are all the stories of the, the, the gay people being attacked and fired from their jobs in Montana and other places? It's extreme. It's not like it's happening everywhere. Well, it doesn't where, happen. Well, I know. That's the point. So even in those areas, you say it's geographical, but even they're not, not being attacked. I'm saying their everything. argument. This know, is their I'm, argument. No, I'm saying that they're wrong, right? So coming up, we're going to, I hate to feel like we're picking on Beto O'Rourke, but back to more crazy craziness of Beto, we have a guest who's going to talk about his attack on guns. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer with John and Charles. We now return to Black and Right on AM 560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. Hey, hey, hey. So uh, I said when we came back, I apologize before for constantly picking on Beto O'Rourke. I don't. I kind of feel bad. I don't. He does it to himself, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, the last time we talked about him and wanting to pull status of churches for LGBT uh, to protect their rights and defend them. And now we want to shift to Beto on guns. In one of the debates, Beto was talking about uh, his, his, his views on guns and gun control, and he said this. Anyone who does not and is caught in possession or seen in possession of one of these weapons of war, one of these instruments of terror, um, that weapon will be taken from them and they will be fined. Uh, and if sh they should persist in continuing to, to use and to buy these weapons, then there will be other consequences in the criminal code. Now, keep in mind that he was actually backing off of his original uh, view. That was that he, he got attacked in the debate because of that. Because his original clip was, um, yes, I'm going to take your guns, take your AIs, we're going to take them and come and get them. We're going to confiscate them. You didn't say yes. I know. I, I, I'm, being, I'm being, <laughs> being nice. I, but technically, I can't say you that can. on the radio. But he's going to take the gun. And what happened was in this debate, he got pushback from the moderator and, and a couple of the um, other candidates saying, how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go door to door. You're not going to do that. And then that's how he softened it to fine. So keep in mind, he doesn't want to find what he really wants to do is come and get him. So we wanted to go to an authority on guns. So we were fortunate enough. Uh, John reached out and we got um, Kwesi Amoa. He is a member of the National African-American Gun Association and the president 
of 761st Gun uh, Club of Chicago. Kwesi, thank you for joining John and Charles on AM560 The Answer. What's going on, brothers? Thanks for having me. How you doing? So I want to start by, you know, just starting with the guy who's on top saying he wants to take the guns. Tell me your thoughts on uh, Beto and his gun confiscation. I think it's a, it's a Hail Mary attempt. Uh, it was ridiculous. So it was funny because last year he had a, he was on a radio station out in Texas, um, and they asked him about the, uh, the AR-15 and the AK-47. He said, hey, if you purchase them, you could keep them. And, and he, he's talking like he was all pro-gun on that radio station last year. And I remember looking at it at that time, and I, I thought how hilarious uh, he just did a totally 180 from that, and I, I just think that he's trying to—I mean, trying to do something so he can get his poll numbers up. I mean, what he's just doing right now—he just going—he's going to be—he's the number one salesman for AR-15s right now. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I, I know it's happened, but Obama used to be the new guy, and he's taking his spot. Um, so, why don't you? I mean, obviously, you know guns. So, why don't you uh, spend a few seconds here and explain to people? The nuances here, like when people say they like to throw out these lines, these weapons of war, assault this weapons. this assault weapon, this uh, gunning down people. When we know, uh, if people look it up early in the show, we talked about the true stats of uh, teachers, uh, what's going on with the teachers versus what people say. We know the truth about how people really die in this country and wh- what weapon is being used versus what they say. So let's talk about the truth versus what he says. Well, the funny thing about this whole the debate, I mean, you got the uh, him, and then you have uh, people like Kathy Willis, uh, the state representative. Um, they act like they know everything about the guns and everything like that. Um, I I grew up, and my mother always told me that you have people that will totally refuse to understand your side, um, so they can make up their make up their their noise. So, I, I think. Uh, I mean, they have these opportunities to talk to gun owners and everything, and the gun owners are talking to them about what the AR-15 is. It's not a weapon of war, like they say. I'm a I'm a 20-year vet with the Air Force. I shot at M16. The yeah. AR-15 is nowhere close to the M16. Nowhere. Or now I got the the yeah the the, the M4. So uh, it, it looks scary. It's big and black, and it looks scary. So they want to talk about the hey. big black gun. Hey, Kwesi, Kwesi, I, 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 you, you mentioned Representative Willis. Uh, when I was down in General Assembly, her and I, we had a lot of battles on Second Amendment. Talk about, talk about what, what you, would, you were at a town hall with her or something. Uh, what was that all about, and how does that affect Illinois voters? So I, I had the privilege to debate uh, Kathy Willis twice. I, uh, I once was on air on WTTW Chicago, the, the Chicago Tonight Show, and then we did the town hall. Um, and she was trying to push the red flag and then the SB 1966 bill, otherwise known as the uh, Fix the Floyd Act. So I kind of stuck it to her talking about uh, what she's trying to do is to uh, uh, decrease the number of illegal gun owners and, and, and I mean, increase the number of illegal gun owners and decrease the number of legal gun owners. So uh, what we try to focus on, um, especially in, in our community, um, is we talk about the Second Amendment and how these gun control laws affect uh, the black community. And so, there's always been talk about your group. Yeah, these guns. This segment is going too quick. Right. So talk about your organization specifically real quick. So we are the 761st Gun Club. We are uh, affiliated with the National African uh, Gun Association. Uh, what we do is uh, we educate uh, people of the urban black community 
on the Second Amendment rights. We talk about the history of it. We talk about the deacon's defense. We talk about how the the firearm was essential to black survival. And we, we looked with the history of that. Well, well, thank you uh, for coming on and, and giving a little bit of uh, information. Uh, we'll give all your particulars when we get a chance so people can find you. Uh, you're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. Uh, we thought we were done with uh, Quasi, but uh, it was too much of a good thing, and John had a few things he wanted to say where well, we asked him to stay over. So we're back with Quasi Omoa from uh, the 761st John, uh, Gun Club. Hey, Quasi. Quasi. I'm thinking about this Three Stooges. I mean, Three Stooges, I don't know why. Curly saying your name. Um What's so so? I, I know you've been like really hounding um, the Black Caucus uh, on all things guns. Is there anything that the listeners, the people that are listening to the show, need to know about what's coming up in, in the veto session? Are there any gun bills that um, they're looking to vote on? Um, talk to us. Let us know what's going on. So right now they they are trying to they're doing a full assault uh, with these town hall meetings and everything. So they, one of the things they want to uh, push through is the SB nineteen sixty six is the fix the FOIA Act. Um, as you know, the last election, it got stalled by the, the Senate um, due to, I think, they didn't have enough votes. And I think that our group has a lot to do with it because we, we uh, start calling our Black Caucus uh, members and let them know, hey, you got Black owners, gun owners in the state, and what these laws are doing is going to affect us. And anybody who, who is on the political arena, doesn't, they don't want to be associated knowing and saying that uh, they, they are involved in locking more Black people up. So. Right. Uh, so we try to we try to educate our, our our representatives on the Second Amendment, especially how those laws are going to affect the black community. So what we've been doing the 761st this whole summer is we've been talking to the politicians, the elected officials, and um, and educate them what the black gun owner, gun owner looks like. It's not what the media and society is saying. We're not right. we're not thugs, gangbangers, or anything like that. So we're just putting a, a new face to it. Who's been the point person for the Black Caucus? As you, as you know, I'm the first Republican Black Caucus member ever. Who's been the point person for the Black Caucus for you? Uh, Turner is one of them. Um, we've been uh, solid guy. A conversation with uh, uh-huh. a solid guy. What about Rita Mayfield, Representative Mayfield? She is she's is a, a, uh, a straight shooter. So I sent her a couple of emails. I never got any response back to her. Um, I, I I got a good report with Turner because of, him and I went to Morehouse. Um, okay. So. So uh, I, I, we got that in. I kind of told that Morehouse guilt with him. So uh, <laughs> come talk to me. Uh, we've been having some con- talk, conversation with uh, LaShawn Ford as well. Another side, uh, we yeah. know that he's been charged. Uh, he's uh, he's involved uh, with that new uh, organized group, gun group thing for the law legislature. And it's funny because back in June, he he made that comment on the radio station about him being more pro-gun now. And, and when I saw that, I, I we jumped on the <laughs> opportunity to get, to get a hold of him. And I think Mike Madigan didn't like that so much. So he's like, hey, you're going to be in charge of this, uh, this task group. So we, we try to, we still, we still trying to uh, go on and contact our, uh, Black Caucus members to let them know, hey, this is not a, this, uh, it's not, we are not the NRA white old man group. <laughs> like we are, we are gun owners like everybody else and we have rights to, and these laws are going to affect us very negatively, especially, 
uh, people on the south side and the west side of Chicago. Quasi, you mentioned uh, in the last segment uh, something about their policies that they're proposing um, hurting legal gun owners while helping people get guns illegally. Uh, what do you think about this, this, this weird gun scenario that the Democrats find themselves in where they say that we're against guns, we just want sensible gun control, we want to take back guns, we want all this saving the people with these evil gun things, and at the same time, our local legislatures in many of the large Democrat-run cities, what they do is they let people walk, right? So they arrest somebody with an illegal gun or after shooting a gun and they get caught, and then they're back on the street in two days. So which is it? Right. So that's the funny thing we said, you said that because we talked about that at the town hall meeting, uh, back in, over there in North Lake. I mean, that was the comment I made to Kathy Willis about that. I mean, you in charge of making these laws and then you guys are not enforcing it, but you also want to stack more laws mm-hmm. to make it harder for me. I yep. mean, oh my God, it, it took, I mean, it cost me, and I'm not even exaggerating, and I tell people this all the time, it cost me $450 to be allowed to carry a gun legally I just in the state it. of Illinois. Yeah, I, I talked about it. that. I think people need to know that because it affects black and poor people. Affects it. Really, the laws are exactly. unconstitutional, but it's, beyond that, they're regressive, right? Because So what you say, as you add, like Beto in his clip talked about, fine, all you're doing is hurting poor people because I might complain about it, but I can afford it, to, you know, but some people can't. So you're saying only people can afford to pay $10 for a Ford and then pay money for a, class, a mandatory class and then buy the gun and, and then do this. Yep, it's the it's the it's the game that have and the have not thing. You know, we always we know statistically, black folks don't have the or the have not. Right. So, so the people who need the gun the most can't get it. Exactly. Hey, hey you know what? Exactly. Hey, and hey, this hey, is what we are fighting for. Hey, Quasi. You know, I, I I looked at I I just had to um, do my um, concealed carry all over again, right? But before that, I moved. I think it was seventy five dollars just to pay for a change of address. That is ridiculous yeah. when you look at it. And I can't even use my concealed carry as a, as a form of identification. And it's one of the most, it is one of the most, uh, when you look at, yeah. Right. I mean, what you have to go through you don't go to, to get the, the concealed carry license. Correct. Right. <laughs> well, well, last time we didn't Man, leave you enough time. Through. So, Quasi, let's make sure we leave you enough time to give people your phone number, website, or whatever you want to give us. All right, so check us out on uh, on 761stgunclub.com. Uh, um, we got all our social media. It's all one word. So I uh, got the phone number on there, uh, 708-972-4535. Uh, just give me a call and say, uh, what's up? Uh, we do take donations because we help, uh, we help the people, the less fortunate, who uh, are pro-Second Amendment uh, that uh, want to get involved. But uh, we'll help them get the education piece of that as well. Um, even though we are Black Gun Club, we welcome everybody, all walks of life. Uh, we are one issue group, and it's all about the Second Amendment. So we got Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I'm an opportunist. So come on, <laughs> and be in a room full of gun owners and this uh, fellowship and this dude. It's, it's leaders' campaign to get, well, uh, get thank uh, you, Quasi. more Black We're coming up against the break. Amendment. Quasi Amoa, 761st Gun Club. Uh, great having you and educating the people about guns. And uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. See, take care, bud. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, so that, I mean, what he said is totally on point. The whole, the regressive part, piece of it, the way we, we, we make it all about the dollar. Well, we, well, well Beto said, I want to take your gun. Okay, I can't really take it. I'm just going to make it cost a lot. And then we end up just saying, okay, 
It only costs money for these segment of people, and these people just out. So if you can afford all these fines, you probably don't live in a neighborhood where you need the guard. So we, they're no longer called progressives. We just should, we should continue to just call them all regressives. The regressives. There you go. They regressive. They're not progressives. They're regressives. They're the regressive party. How about that? There we go. Well, well, we got a couple of minutes here, and I know you wanted to call me out on something a few weeks ago when you said you can get. Yeah, John has, and I told you so. Uh, we were talking about the uh, <laughs> the Barr's investigation, and what's the guy's name? I forgot. Durham. No, Durham. Durham. Yeah, Durham. Durham. And I was like, that's all good. But unless you're going to lock somebody uh, up, unless it's a criminal investigation, I, you know, it's nice, but it's window dressing. So you're and the you black. Say, and then what happened? You're the black. I'm the right. I was right. Um, it's now, I said it wouldn't be. I said until then, I won't pay attention. So now I'm paying attention. It's it's now turned into a criminal investigation. I think we still there's still so much more to I, I say step back, take a deep breath and let the investigation complete itself. I do think some heads are going to roll. So you got a few seconds. Go ahead and say I told you so before we go to break. I don't do that. <laughs> well, you just said that you were right. So it's I just kind said I'm black and right. <laughs> so coming up, we'll just fill you in on some things we have going on. Uh, the, the the wonderful thing we're doing as far as the summit and uh, the next subsequent shows and the crazy, like we said, jujitsu between Facebook and, t- and radio. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer with John Anthony and Charles Love. This is Black and Right on AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. So John's got a couple updates, one from a previous show and uh, some, uh, you know, housekeeping kind of deals. Yeah. So, John? So you remember we had the director of the Police Training Institute, Director Slosh, on uh, a couple of weeks ago. We did a policing show. Yep. Uh, and we talked about um, doing bringing some people down to actually observe some live scenario-based training. Well, he's allowing us to come December 2nd, uh, December 2nd from 1 to 5 at the Willard Training Facility down in Champaign so that we can come and observe some live rec- recruits, new recruits, doing some live scenario-based training. And also... I'm going to get a couple of people. I've chosen a, f- a few people of who said they're going to come to actually partake and participate in the live scenario-based training. So they'll they'll have all of the, the equipment on, and they'll have to make a quick split-second decision like a police officer would. Right. So I think it's going to be a good time. Don't so, put me in there. So that's December 2nd from 1 to 5 at the police training, um, the uh, Woolard Training Center down in Champaign. If you want to go, uh, hit, hit me up on Black and Right or at my Facebook, J. Anthony Speaks. And uh, in the messenger box, and um, I'll put you on the list to go. Okay, what else you got? So we, I, you know, as you know, we've had this very convoluted schedule about uh, our show. We've been thirty minutes here. We're doing Facebook Live. Well, we're gonna normalize back out um, starting Saturday, November second, where we go one hour Facebook Live, one hour um, back on the radio from two to three. Um, I can't wait. Um, November second. Uh, we're gonna be both. We'll both be at the Freedom Summit. We'll be doing a panel. So I don't think we're gonna. I don't. We we still have to decide what we're gonna do because it's really only a thirty minute show, right? No, we get a. a it's an hour. I mean, fifty minutes. It's but we're gonna. 50 minutes. We're, we're not it's gonna be Q&A here. We're gonna be over at the. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll be there. We yeah. have to figure out what we're doing. Oh, I thought you were talking about the breakout. Yeah, at yeah. The, at the um, when, as far as doing the show. Right. Yeah, we'll see what we're gonna do about that. But yeah, the Freedom Summit is gonna be great. We're gonna get a chance to. Uh, Talk to some 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 true conservatives and Kennedy. give them some information. Yeah, see all the people that are going to be there. But also, you get to come in here as if you got tickets already. I don't know if there's still overflow tickets, but if you don't buy them, you get to see 
uh, John and I and Stephanie Trussell all on stage together. Yeah. You know, the, the, the black, uh, syndicate of AM 560 <laughs> talking about the black vote and conservatism and how to drive that home. Uh, so thanks for listening. Please share the Facebook Live and uh, the podcast when it's downloaded with everybody you know. And uh, we look forward to hearing, uh, to talking to you and um, giving you more information next time. You're listening to uh, Black and Right on AM 560 The Answer with John and Charles. See you next week.